Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today's subject is election. Did you know God actually chose you for salvation, and why would he do that? There's nothing in you that's worthy of it. Let's go together to the Word of God and find out the answer to that question. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. So glad to have you with us today. We have taken five doctrines up until now, and today we're taking up the doctrine of election. And really this comes back to theology. And like I said, it's simplified. What I'm telling you here is there's big terms in the Bible or some that seem, they sound so wonderful, they sound so heavenly, but yet we don't understand what they mean. And oftentimes we just relegate these to ministers. That's one for ministers to study. But the word election simply means that God selected us. It's election is God's choice for us for salvation and again for all of his blessings. If you were with us last time and we took up the doctrine of predestination, you found out that predestination and election are not because God flips a coin and by his sovereignty chooses us. He chooses us based on the knowledge of what we're gonna do because God knows everything in advance. The things that I asked in the last teaching was this, does God create sin? No, but does he know sin is coming? Yes, when did he know this? Before the foundation of the world. Did God know that Satan was gonna fall and Adam and Eve would try transgress? The answer is yes. Did he make them transgress? The answer is no. He knew they would. God doesn't make problems. God makes answers, but God makes answers before problems ever exist because of his foreknowledge. This is what it all comes back to based on God's foreknowledge. Did God choose Bobby at five years old, me, to be born again? The answer is yes, because he saw that I would receive him. He saw that when I was presented the gospel, I said yes. So he had a plan not only for me to get saved, but he had a plan for my heart. Life. Now, this we're talking about is God's choice. And God chooses people for salvation, but it's not based on anything they have done, and it's not based on God's sovereignty. It's based on his foreknowledge, the fact that God knows everything. That's why he chose us. So God chooses people for salvation because they chose him to be saved. And they said, I want to believe in Jesus. God knew this before the foundation of the world. Not only chooses you for salvation, but as a plan for the rest of your life. But he doesn't choose people not to accept him. They fall back on their own choice and they fall back on their own plans for life after that. And even into eternity, they are facing something that they chose. I am facing something I chose. God was just smart enough to know ahead of time what my choice would be and therefore plan for it. I'm so glad I accepted Jesus. I'm sure you're glad you accepted Jesus. The first one to be chosen, the first one to be elected was Jesus Christ himself. Isaiah 42 and verse one, he's called the elect. Behold my servant, God the Father is speaking. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the Gentiles. Notice this, before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was the elected one. Why was he the elected one? Because God the Father knew that when he was chosen, he would say yes. Do you think if Jesus Christ would have said no, he would have been God's elect one? The answer is no. God chose him and elected him because he knew he was going to accept the plan, come to earth, live, die, be raised from the dead and offer salvation for the entire human race. And God said, I bought my spirit upon him. Next of all, he will bring justice to the Gentiles. So Jesus Christ was chosen before the foundation of the world. It's written by Isaiah 500 years before his birth. 
back there. And so again, Jesus Christ hadn't even been born yet. The elect one had not even come yet. But even then, before 500 years before he came, Isaiah was calling him the elect one. First Peter 2 and verse 6 says this, Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Notice this. He doesn't say whoever believes on him because God made him believe on him. It's by our choice. I become elect. I become precious. I'm built on the chief cornerstone because I chose to have Jesus Christ become the Lord of my life. So there was no good in us for election. There was no good in us for predestination. We share the election of Christ because Jesus Christ was chosen. I now am chosen being in him and I share his election. Election took place before the foundation of the world. I like to call this the eternal life conference. Before the foundation of the world, God the Father sat down with the Son, Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. There was no universe around us, just emptiness. There was no stars. There was no Milky Way. There was no creation at all. There was no angels, nothing before any of that, and God made out the plan from now on. And he literally said, you're going to be the one that's going to go and die for the sins of the world. Let me just give you how the Godhead works together. God the Father plans everything. Jesus Christ executes the plan and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. Again, God the Father is the one who makes the plan. The plan for creation, the plan for redemption was all made by God the Father. The one who executed the plan, the one who actually caused creation to come to pass was in him, that's in Christ, were all things created, both seen and unseen, visible, invisible. And so everything that was made was made by Jesus Christ. That's creation. Who revealed it? The Holy Spirit by writing the word of God, the book of Genesis telling us all about creation. God the Father made the plan. Jesus Christ executed the plan and the Holy Spirit revealed the plan. But it's also in the case of redemption. God the Father planned and said to the Son, you're gonna be the elect one. You're gonna carry this thing out. And he says, yes, I know, I'll do that, I'll do that. See, they were all omniscient, they knew everything. And when God the Father told them the plan, they already knew the plan. They said, yes, that's right. They agreed with him because why? All three of them are omniscient. Jesus Christ said, yes, sir, when it's presented to me on that day, I will say yes to it. And so he became the elected one. And then God, and he said, you're the one that will go, be born of a virgin. You are going to be the one to redeem mankind. You're going to be one that's going to be the alternative to Adam. You're going to be the last Adam where they chose, where they did not choose to be an Adam, but are replaced in him because of Adam's transgression. You're going to give them a choice to come out of Adam. They're literally going to die in Adam and be reborn into you. And so we had an elected representative in that case. And Jesus Christ was his name. But you know what? When Jesus Christ sat there as the representative of God that would come and die for the sins of the world, I was already seen in Christ because I've been in Christ since the foundation of the world, but not because God made me be in Christ, not because God took me, just automatically put me in there. No, it's because that one day I would be presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just because Jesus Christ was the first one who was elected because of his choice, I've been elected because of my choice. I'm in him. I'm in the elected when I share his election. Did you know everything we have as Christians come because we share what Jesus Christ has? How come I am born again? Because I'm in the one who was born again. Why do I have a future? Because Jesus Christ has a future. Why am I sitting at the right hand of the Father? Because Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father and I'm in Christ. 
Christ. Why do I have eternal life? Because Jesus Christ has eternal life. And I share his eternal I have nothing of my own. Everything I have, I share with him. I have an inheritance in heaven. Why? Because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. His inheritance belongs to me. Why do I have a future in heaven for all of eternity? Because Jesus has a future in heaven through all of eternity. And I am in Christ. Everything I have. In fact, Ephesians chapter one, literally everything in there is because I'm attached to Jesus. I'm in him. I'm in Christ. I'm in the one. I'm in the beloved. It's over and over again quoted in Ephesians 1. Every blessing I have is because I am in Christ. And I personally entered into Christ when I got saved, but God saw me in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are not elected by God's sovereignty. We're elected by God's grace. Election and predestination both are according to God's foreknowledge. Let's go back to that verse we talked about last time, Romans chapter eight, verses 28 and verse 29. And again, both of them are brought out here in these verses of scripture. In verse 28, it says, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The word call there in that verse of scripture is our word elected. We have been elected in him. We are called and we're elected according to his purpose. Why, what is his purpose that I be saved? Because I accepted his purpose. I'm now what part of the called ones. So when I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I entered into my calling, but I also entered into God's plan for my life for the rest of my life and throughout all of eternity, that is predestination. So again, to those who are called according to his purpose, verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Notice the foundation for predestination is foreknowledge. Predestination doesn't stand on its own. People say, let's study predestination. You can't study predestination. It's like studying a brick in a house, but you don't study the foundation under it. No, the foundation for predestination is foreknowledge. Whom the Lord did foreknow, them he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. What did God foreknow about me? He foreknew that I would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Foresaw a time when I would be presented the gospel at five years old in vacation Bible school, get on my knees and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And at that moment, God's plan started in me as far as me is concerned, but God's plan was already in motion before the foundation of the earth. I just entered into it on that day. So it says, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Not only has did he choose me, but predestination started at the moment I accepted Jesus. And part of God's plan is for me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be changed from glory to glory every single day. And that goes on to say that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I became a child of God, a brother with Jesus Christ, a child of God himself because Jesus Christ is a child of God. The firstborn, I became the billionth, trillionth born since that time. I don't know what my number is, but the point of it is I am just as much a child of God as Jesus Christ himself is. That was predestination. Let me quote that again, verse 29, whom he foreknew, them he did predestine. He foreknew they would get saved and planned for their life and has a plan for their life. How about election? First Peter 1, 2. First Peter 1, 2 says, elect 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Election and predestination are not based on God's sovereignty, where he just said, uh, Bob, yes, and you, no. No, that's not how it was done. God didn't flip a coin and heads you win and tails you lose. No, it has nothing to do with chance, has nothing to do with God's sovereignty, but has everything to do with my choice for him or someone else's choice against him. And God knew ahead of time who would get saved, who would not get saved, who would choose him, who would not. First Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What did he look for us? Sanctification by the Holy Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It simply comes back to this. Because of my obedience to receive Jesus, my acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior, God's foreknowledge of that, he elected me. All these things are wonderful. What we're talking about here is just incredible. And again, I want you to know that. All this is being brought to you again because of what the word of God has to say and because I really want you to understand that God doesn't sit in heaven and sovereignly choose who's going to get saved or not. I actually heard a minister who preached and preached for quite a while on the fact that you have no choice in salvation. God the Father has you tagged for heaven or hell from the time that you're born. And literally in this earth, you have nothing to do with it. And there's no sense in witnessing because you don't know who's gonna get saved and who's not. And he said, therefore, he says, I don't even witness to my children because I'm not sure if they're part of the elect or not. What a sad thing to say that it's all up to God and not up to our will. When the Bible says, whosoever will may come. I'll see you right after the break. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Even the Greek and the Hebrew were written on a third or fourth grade level where people could understand it. So that's what this is for. So, you know, this book will help and bless you tremendously as a person, as a, as a convert, and as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you teach a Bible class, if you teach a home cell group, or you're a pastor of a church or whatever, this book is for everybody, and it's gonna greatly bless you. So I know you're gonna be blessed by getting this book, and again, by growing in the things of God. Go to my website, bobyandian.com, and there you can purchase a copy for yourself. This will feed you for a lifetime. You can read it over and over again. And once you get it, one revelation, you say, wow, it was certainly worth the $15. So again, go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I want to add another verse 
to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, and we quoted it, I'm going to re-quote it again. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I was elect, why? Because of God the Father's knowledge of me, foreknowledge of me that I would accept Jesus. Let's find out why he foreknew me and what the, what election is based on. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brothers, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning, this is before the beginning of the world, elected you for salvation. For what reason? Through sanctification by the Spirit. The moment I got born again, I was sanctified and belief in the truth. Notice it was up to me to believe in the truth. The Holy Spirit sanctified me and I entered into God's election. I also entered into God's plan for my life, predestination, all this came because of my belief in the truth, which is the word of God, the word of God. I got saved according to the word of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I believed in my heart God raised Jesus from the dead. I confessed with my mouth Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I did it according to the truth. The moment I did that, I was sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I entered into the body of Christ and I walked into the plan that God had for me from the foundation of the earth. Election and predestination are both based on God's foreknowledge. I trust by, by this lesson and the last one especially, it's getting through to you that God wants everybody to receive him. It's up to us to preach the gospel to, him, to them, but God doesn't get surprised when a person accepts Jesus, turn around, suddenly make a plan, and God is not mad at the moment because somebody rejected him, he knew it was gonna come. And that person fell back on their own plans for eternity. I simply said no to my plans, accepted God's plan for my life. And I entered into his election and entered into his pre-designed plan for my life. Election is based on grace and grace comes through our faith. Election is based through the word of God and comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. When I say yes to the cross, I say yes to grace because everything that happened on the cross, the salvation of my soul, the healing for my body, even prosperity, uh, that Jesus went to the cross and became poor, that through his poverty I might become rich. Even that came through the work of the cross. The most important thing is salvation. The other two are temporary for this lifetime only, but the point of it is it all came through the cross. What comes through the cross is grace, and what comes by grace is received through faith. Galatians 1.15. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Your calling comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. You accept God gives it to you, you accept it by faith. Ephesians chapter one, verses four and verse six. Just as he chose us in him, Here's election. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice this, he chose us before the world. And what was his choice for us to be? Holy, without blame before him. And so the moment I accepted Jesus, God's choice for me became true in that he chose me for salvation. I accepted his salvation and bam, I was without blame before him. My sins were forgiven. Verse six goes on to say, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. What happened when I got born again? I became accepted in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Jesus Christ. Why am I accepted? Because Jesus was accepted. I share his 
acceptance. Everything I have is because I share it with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's take a look at some scriptures. What are the benefits of election? What is the benefits of predestination? And part of it is the fact that God has plans for every part of my life. Every problem I can face, he has an answer for. Everything I can go through, every blessing I can go through, God had a plan for that blessing. Listen, blessings are, have a plan in my life and even my problems, God can turn those things around and has a plan for those. Listen, I get blessed when I am going through a, through a time of great blessing, but I can also be blessed in the midst of a great trial. Why? It's not the trial that makes me strong. It's my attitude in the trial that makes me strong. The attitude of faith, the attitude of praise, the attitude of worship and knowing that God's going to work out everything for my blessing. You know, there was a story where Jesus had just taught all day long, asked his disciples, do you understand the things that I've taught? They all went, uh-huh, uh-huh. They didn't. I mean, they they probably, yeah, I remember you taught something about ground and seed and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We understood it and they didn't. And Jesus said, okay, we got into a boat and Jesus gave them a promise. And that's what the parables have been about, seed and promise and all those things and God keeping his word. He gave them a promise, let us pass over to the other side. Let us is all of us, not some of us. He didn't say four of us are gonna make it over. He said, no, let us pass over, not go halfway and sink. Let us pass over. And Lydia, he added to that to the other side. We're not gonna pass over and just get to the edge of the shore and go under. No, we're gonna go all the way and get off on dry ground. We are going to pass over to the other side. And then Jesus went to sleep on a pillow. And then a storm came up. The storm was so bad that the water was washing into the ship and the disciples got caught up by the circumstances, what their eyes could see, what their ears could hear, the thunder, the lightning, the water. And they begin to get scared and they actually went over and woke up Jesus and said, don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, what a slap in Jesus' face. He just said, we're not gonna perish. We're gonna all pass over to the other side. They forgot the promise and started you know, railing on him. And Jesus finally stood up and stilled the storm and they were shocked. Even the winds and even the waves obey him. Do you think Jesus was happy and said, well, of course I could have done that from the beginning. No, Jesus was mad at them and said to them, oh, you of little faith. And what did he say to them? He called them faithless. He called them basically not believing him. And it comes back to this. The greatest faith we can see in a storm is not to stop the storm. The greatest thing we can see as an act of faith in the storm is to sleep during the storm. Jesus went to sleep. Sleeping through a storm is one of the greatest things you can do. It simply shows you trust God's promise. And Jesus fluffed up a pillow and went to sleep on it. Do you realize there are 7,000 pillows in the word of God? They're called promises. At last count, 7,000, I'm sure they might've found more, but the point of it is there's over 7,000 pillows in the word of God. And simply, unless you say, well, I don't know which pillow to choose. Well, why not just grab a general one? My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Fluff it up, my God shall supply all my, and go to sleep on it and sleep through the storm. Why? Because God promised we will go over to the other side. You and me will go to the other side. We're gonna come out of this thing. You're gonna step off on dry ground. Luke chapter 18 and verse seven says this, Jesus is now telling about the, the many possessions, the many benefits we have by being the elect. Luke 18, seven says, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? God hears the prayers of saints 
and he will avenge us against the enemy. Romans 8, 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Satan tries to, Jesus fights him. He's our defense attorney. Satan is our prosecuting attorney. He wants to come against us when we sin, make a bad choice, all these kind of things. And just like he came back in the Old Testament against Job, he comes against us in heaven. Jesus Christ is our defense attorney. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? How does God look at us, his elect? Colossians 3, 12, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long suffering. Here he says, as the elect of God, put these things on that have already been given to you. God has offered to you his mercies, his kindness, his humility, meekness, and long suffering. We are to put those on like clothing. Put these on, strap on mercy, kindness. When you step out for the day or when you meet people that are offensive to you, the first thing instead of getting clothed with anger, why not clothe yourself with mercy and kindness and humility, meekness, long suffering. Romans 8, 29, Jesus is called the firstborn. And as the firstborn, Jesus Christ had three privileges in the nation of Israel. First of all, rulership was given to him. I share his rulership. Next of all, the priesthood. I am a priest also before my great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Also the double portion. Whoever was the firstborn son took over the rulership, the priesthood, and finally the double portion. Why the double portion? Because there's a portion for Jesus. There's also a portion for me. I share his rulership. I am a priest before my great high priest. I share his priesthood. And now he has given to me an inheritance in this life. And I have become a joint heir with Jesus. The double portion has also been attributed to me as well as Jesus Christ. We are in him and we share all these things, rulership, priesthood, heirs, and the blessings of life and the blessings of eternity are all here. In closing this thing out, let me just give you three elections in history. First of all is Israel as the nation to bring in the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he would come through a tribe of Israel, Jesus Christ and the location for him being born and for his millennial reign and the throne he would even rule from is all in Israel and God elected them based on his foreknowledge of Abraham's faith and his acceptance of the Lord that from Abraham came a natural race on this earth, the Jewish race and the nation of Israel, but from him also came a kingdom and in that kingdom is as the stars of heaven, those who would put faith and trust in him and said, in you shall all nations be blessed. So not only is one nation blessed and God set up that nation in this earth, the only eternal nation on earth is Israel, not the United States, not Great Britain, not these other ones. Israel is the only eternal state and will always be here, the eternal nation, always be here. Jesus Christ will rule from there for a thousand years on the throne. And then when the whole earth is renovated, burnt and, and, and recreated out of that, at the end of the millennium, heaven will come and rest over the earth and it's called the new Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is the second one elected in history. He was elected as the redeemer of mankind. And God elected Jesus based on his acceptance of the cross, acceptance of God's plan, and then execution of God's plan of redemption, that is the cross. The last one who has been elected is the church. Why are we elected? We're elected as the custodians of evangelism and custodians of the word of God to be taken to the nations. In the Old Testament, Israel had it. In the church age, the church has it. When the church is taken out, it will be given back to Israel for seven more years through the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. 
So as the custodians of evangelism and the word of God taken to the nations, we have been elected for that. And then God elected us in the church based on our faith and our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You're watching this. Perhaps you're sitting in a Bible study somewhere watching this, or perhaps, you know, you just happen to pick this up on and are watching it on a video somewhere. And you know what? You've never accepted Jesus. Did you know I was actually at a minister's conference and Andrew Womack in that conference gave an invitation for any minister that was there, pastor of a church that didn't know Jesus to come down and accept him. And did you know seven ministers came down and accepted Jesus? actually admitted they only took it as an occupation, never accepted Jesus. Perhaps you're watching this and you've never accepted Jesus. Now is the time to open up your heart and say, Jesus, I accept you as the Lord of my life. And I want to share your inheritance, share all your blessings. Thank you for it. We'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.